We all know that prayer is communication with God, our conversation with the Lord of heaven and earth. We are instructed by Jesus himself to pray, and we learn how to pray by Jesus in what we call the Lord's Prayer. Prayer is a spiritual discipline. It's intimacy with God, and for many it's often private and individualized. Now, I've found that if you really want to get someone to squirm in the church, ask him or her to lead a prayer for the group. Now, I always find this to be a bit funny, uh, because, and somewhat ironic, I suppose, because prayer is an integral part of our faith, much like an engine is needed for a car to operate. But I find that too many of us are self-conscious that our prayers are somehow not good enough, as if God or maybe our peers were grading us on our eloquence. And so often it causes us to be cautious about praying out loud. You know, it reminds me of the movie Bruce Almighty in which God in the movie asked Bruce to pray to him. And so Bruce offers a prayer and he prays, Lord, feed the hungry and bring peace to all of mankind. And then he looks at God and he says, well, how's that? God responds to him, great if you want to be Miss America. You see, God is not interested in our eloquence. He's interested in what we really care about. And so Jesus, in his Sermon on the Mount, instructs us, saying, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. And when you pray, do not keep babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Jesus wants us to pray, and he wants us to pray from our heart, not for show. And the good news is that anyone can pray from the heart. Today, as we continue our sermon series entitled Misused or Misunderstood Scriptures, we come to the end of James's letter to the church that calls the church to embrace daily prayer. James tells us, Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Now, James doesn't give instruction on how we should pray. Instead, he tells us when we should pray and that prayer is a powerful thing. He recognizes that prayer is both personal and corporate in nature and that we're called to pray for ourselves and also for others. But James does not see prayer as a last resort. Rather, he sees it as a first response in all that we do. In fact, James seems to see prayer as an acknowledgement that God is with us and that we have access to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, prayer is reaching out to God in all of life's joys and sorrows, praising God for his sovereignty and seeking God's help, even in the midst of our weaknesses. 
basically he is saying that prayer is something that we should do no matter what the occasion is. Whether we're experiencing trouble or hardship or even when life is good and everything seems to be going well. I mean, we're even called to sing songs and literally psalms of praise because, well, prayer is also found in the form of singing. And he also goes on to say that if you're sick, to call the elders of the church to come and pray over you and to anoint you with oil. Now, sickness often isolates us from one another, and now more than ever, we understand the sad realities of not being able to visit our loved ones in the hospital or even at nursing care facilities because of what's going on with this pandemic. James invokes the leaders of the church to visit and to anoint the sick with oil and to pray over them in the name of the Lord Jesus. And the name Jesus literally means he saves. So James is calling the church to pray in the name of the one who can heal and save the sick. And he says that the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well and that the Lord will raise them Now, you have to remember that James is the brother of Jesus, and he was also one of the 12 disciples, and that he and the other 11 were once sent out by Jesus to heal the sick there in the community. Mark tells us this, they drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. Now, oil was considered to be medicinal, but more importantly, it was used as a symbol of God's spirit being upon someone. That's why the prophets used it to anoint the kings of Israel, to mark them as God's representatives for the people. But the disciples of Jesus, they used oil as a symbol of healing as they called upon the name of the Lord to heal the sick. And it wasn't the oil that healed them, and it wasn't the power of the disciples that healed them. It was the power of God invoked by his people who called upon him to act in a mighty way. I have to be honest with you today. This passage of Scripture for me is both comforting and troubling at the same time. It's comforting because, well, it's true that God answers the prayers of the faithful, those who trust in the Lord to do what we cannot do for ourselves. And I have witnessed that even in my own life. In fact, this church has been a conduit of such prayer for me and my family, especially when our oldest son, Brennan, got really sick from an E. coli infection and even a secondary infection two summers ago. Many of you in this church prayed for his healing. A group of you prayed for him while he was having surgery to receive a port for dialysis. Everyone was offering prayers for him, including many around the world that we didn't even know, but they were somehow connected with someone that we did know. In fact, One day, a chaplain from Samaritan's Purse came in and showed us and Brennan a video of missionaries in Vietnam who had made a video for him, letting him know that they were praying for him. There's no doubt in my mind that the power of prayer helped bring healing to his body. And that's not to say that the doctors who cared for him or the medicines used to help make him well had no part of his healing. They absolutely did. What I mean is that God was using all things through the power of prayer to restore his health. And when we witness these things 
in the church or in the community, when we've been praying for someone, praying for God to heal them, we rejoice and we give glory to God for healing. But I have to tell you, I've also persistently prayed with others for members of all the churches that I've served throughout the years to be healed too. And together, those of us who gathered and prayed for the individual, we prayed with faith, ultimate trust that God can overcome anything. For if God can speak the world into existence and create out of nothing, surely God can heal anyone from any disease or any illness. And God can. But there were many times when we prayed those prayers in faith in which God didn't answer them the way that we had hoped. I've sat by the bedside of many people who have died from cancer, from pneumonia, from an accident, from various other illnesses. They had great faith in God's ability to heal them. We prayed together for that, but God didn't answer our prayers as we'd hoped. You see, that's when I find that this passage can be troubling. Sometimes this passage is misused to adopt what's called a a name-it-and-claim-it theology. Essentially, someone affirms, I know that God can and will heal you, and so let's pray and wait for this to happen. Now, everyone wants to believe that to be true. Everyone wants that assurance. But what happens when you say that to a sick person and it doesn't come true? Does it mean that their faith is too weak? Their healing is denied because their faith somehow doesn't measure up to God? You see, we can't take James's words as a formula for all physical illnesses to miraculously go away. I find that that can do far more harm than good. But I do believe that God answers our prayers for healing. Sometimes he grants physical healing to those who are ill. And sometimes God answers that prayer eternally. God is the great physician. And he always brings healing. Sometimes it comes in the temporal physical healing we pray for. And sometimes it comes through death. Which leads us to the end of suffering and to the life that awaits all of us who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And the truth is, is that God will raise up all who are sick. But sometimes it's the Lord's will to do so for eternity. We do not know how God will act in any situation. We hope and pray for the best. We pray and ask what someone wants, and we pray that with them. And regardless, we're called to pray, regardless of what that outcome is, seeking God in the midst of one's illness to pray for healing, trusting that God will bring healing as God wills. And so Paul encourages us in Philippians saying, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Regardless of the outcome, God promises his perfect peace to guard our hearts and minds no matter what. 
But sickness is not just a physical issue. Sickness is also a spiritual issue, and I believe that's why James includes the forgiveness of sins in this passage. You see, many believe that sin was the reason why people were sick, and it's what caused illness. It was God's punishment for unfaithfulness. But Jesus dispels this myth when his disciples ask him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus responds to them, Neither this man nor his parents sin, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Jesus then heals him from his blindness, which leads many who are present there to believe in him. You see, the good news of the gospel is that Jesus has come to heal us, to save us from our sin, and to give us a foretaste of the kingdom of God. Healing was a part of his ministry And there were many who were healed, but Jesus didn't physically heal everyone. However, Jesus does offer everyone permanent healing, the forgiveness of our sins, reconciliation with God, salvation that we cannot earn on our own. And he offers this freely, no strings attached to all who trust and believe in him as Lord and Savior. And as we come to faith in him, we recognize the need to confess our sins, trusting that he forgives us and that he heals our hearts. And so James goes a step further with this, and he says that we are to confess our sins to one another and to pray for one another so that we might be healed. He's not denying God's healing forgiveness in our lives. Instead, he also sees the importance of healing that comes from one another. I mean, Jesus did command us to seek one another out when we had a problem with someone so that we might forgive each other and find reconciliation. And James calls us to seek forgiveness from the person that we've upset or that we've wronged, to publicly come before the church confessing and seeking repentance when our sin has hurt the congregation. Healing comes from forgiveness and from restoration just as God forgives us in Christ. And by confessing our sins to one another, we're able to recognize our humanity and the need for prayer and accountability with each other. So essentially, prayer is central in everything that James commands the church to do. In fact, he tells us the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. While he uses the prophet Elijah as an example of this, he is simply acknowledging that righteousness is not about perfection. Instead, it's about seeking the will of God in our lives. In other words, the prayer of a sincere person is powerful and effective. And the good news is that God hears our prayers. In fact, God longs for us to pray and to be in communion with him. You see, it's really not about how good or how eloquent our prayers are. It's about seeking God and God's will with all of our heart. And if we somehow think that the beauty of our prayers somehow moves God to action, then we're fooled. No, what matters more than anything is trusting in God's power to save, to help, to comfort, to heal, to forgive, to sustain, 
to give us that peace that surpasses all understanding, to guide us in all of life's circumstances, in the joys and the struggles we experience in life, in sickness, health, in absolutely everything. Prayer is not a last resort for us. It's the first response in everything that we do because we affirm the sovereignty of God, His compassion, His love, and His grace in all things. And as God's people, honestly, we should not be afraid to pray in front of anyone or to pray with others because prayer is a gift and it's an opportunity for us to seek God together. The Apostle Paul tells us that we are the body of Christ and that we need each other. And he, he goes on to say in Corinthians, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. You see, I realize that sometimes it's, it's more comfortable to make a casserole or to send someone a card than to pray with them. And trust me, those are great ways to show our love to someone who is in need. But casseroles and cards don't have the power to heal. Prayer does. Yes, prayer is holy ground. It's a sacred, sacred privilege we have access to at any time and at any place. And it's powerful because it has the power to transform us and the lives of others for the glory of God. So rather than telling someone that you'll be praying for them, I would encourage you to do it just right then and there, whether you're in person with them or maybe even right over the phone. Pray with them and pray for them. Don't worry about being judged by them or by God or by anyone else. Offer your prayer in faith to God from your heart. Offer that prayer in faith, in trust, knowing that God hears us and longs to answer our prayers, to bring healing both inside and out, and to give us his perfect peace that transcends all understanding. My prayer for us is that together we would tap into that power, that power of prayer without fear or hesitation, as we seek to be the people of God together, encouraging, loving, and supporting one another as the body of Christ. Friends, may it be so this day and forevermore. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.